0: stocky, a former flower shop and boutique owner turned creative business coach. With over 23 years of entrepreneurial experience, I've tried all kinds of things. Some worked well, some didn't. Whether you're just opening your first business or maybe your third, or you're somewhere in between, I've got you covered. From opening businesses, to branding and niching, to rebranding, to marketing, to managing a team of employees, all while having three babies to successfully selling a business and then to starting the next one. I'll help you combine the practical day-to-day how-tos of business with empowering entrepreneurial mindsets to create a business and life that feels good to you. I'll help you start thinking like a successful entrepreneur so you can be a successful entrepreneur. If you want to get focused, get organized, be efficient, and stay on track, and brilliantly leverage that creative mind of yours, join me. If you're ready to feel confident in your business decisions, while also feeling more freedom and grace and ease around your business, this is the place for you. I created The Brilliant Creative for business owners who need a place to connect, who need a place to think big and see momentum in their creative business, and I did it Because I love creatives. I am one and I love all things creative from makers to painters to photographers to interior designers to florists and bakers and course creators. I'm here to help you make more, work less and feel good about it. And the coach in me wants to teach you how to navigate all those blocks that are often in your way. Want to make sure you never have to go back to that nine to five? You got to start thinking differently. So join me each week as we help you get clear, get a plan, and get moving so you can live the life that you've always dreamed of. At The Brilliant Creative, you get to love your work. Let's begin. Hey guys, welcome to The Brilliant Creative Podcast, episode 15. I'm so excited to introduce you to the lady of the day, Mrs. Jebba Edmonds. I'll be honest, our interview goes all over the place. We talk about her fascinating story, how she went from fleeing her home country with her family at a very young age, to living in the Twin Cities, to becoming a teacher, to listening to the very persistent voice in her head that said, hey lady, there's something more you're supposed to do. We talk about how Jeba knew so many years ago that this was happening and how she came up to me six years ago and said, I'm going to be calling you someday. We talked about what it looked like for her to literally build her business during COVID like the deep, dark, awful days of COVID. Jeba and I were working together then building what she now calls Jeba Cultural Consulting. This is an inspiring podcast for those of you who are teachers or have some profession that you love, but you're being called to something more and the call just keeps on calling. After listening to episode 15, you'll feel hopeful, you'll feel possibility, and you'll probably get permission to listen for real to that voice in your head. The one that keeps saying this, move over here, do this, teach this be this. Show this. This is where you will shine your brightest light. You'll also meet a person who does diversity and inclusion training for businesses. Not only has Jebba done a beautiful job building her business, but her business is truly a beautiful thing to the core of its soul. So are you ready? Okay, let me tell you just a little bit about Jebba first, and then we're going to jump right into the interview. Mrs. Jebba Edmonds is a mother of two boys, ages 13 and 10. She's a fifth grade teacher in the Duluth Public Schools School District, and she's been a classroom teacher for about 10 years. She is the founder and CEO of Jebba Cultural Consulting, LLC. Previously, Mrs. Edmonds was the director of the African-American Cultural Center with the Duluth School District for eight years. Mrs. Edmonds has given numerous local and regional presentations related to diversity, African-American heritage, and cultural competency. She has a bachelor's degree in communication from the University of Minnesota Duluth and a post-bachelor's teaching certificate from the College of St. Scholastica. She graduated with a master's of science in teaching from the College of St. Scholastica in May of 2015. Jeva came to the United States in 1982 on a minor J-2 visa status with her parents who were escaping the conflict in Liberia by enrolling in graduate programs in the U.S. Her journey to citizenship took 30 years. Her journey in educating others is a lifelong passion. So you guys, I just want to say, if you ever get to know this woman or listen to her or be with her, her energy is amazing. It's beautiful and hopeful and just lovely. I am blessed to know her, her gifts and her ability to listen to her intuition, It's going to take her all the way. Like, as far as she wants to go, she will go. And along the way, she will teach so many. She is a gal that's changing the world. So without further ado, let's talk Jebba. Can you just start with telling us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about your story?
1: Good morning, Ange. My story is... a. journey. I was born in a country called Liberia in West Africa. And um, there was a conflict shortly after I was born. And my parents and I um, emigrated to the United States when I was a toddler. Um, But what my parents did was show me resiliency. They showed me grit They showed me motivation Um, and my sisters and I learned a lot from them when they were going into graduate schools all over the country and taking us with them and um, watching them fulfill their dreams of success in a new way, you know, they were very successful um, back home, but starting fresh, starting new with, you know, a support system that was really small and really tiny and learning how to build your own community um, with your family and friends in a new place. Um, So growing up in Minnesota, um, and seeing them rise and be professionals gave me the confidence as well to do the same. My parents always said, oh, you can do anything you want, you know, just go for it. Um, so I came up to UMD to study. Um, journalism was my passion. Um, I wanted to be the next Oprah. <laughs> had a different name. So I thought, hey, let's run with this.
0: Okay. And
1: um, I, I felt like when I went into UMD, Um, and majored in communication and uh, political science, Um, I wanted to further that and see where that would take me. Um, Then I ended up um, at Channel 10 News, WDIO, right after school and worked as a weekend producer. And then I just felt more of a pull towards educating people and, and, and having that and that foundation of both of my parents being educators Professionally, it was kind of like in my blood. And so I wanted to explore that more. There was an opening in our school district in Duluth called um, the African American Cultural Center. And um, I applied for that. I did um, an internship in undergrad with the Cultural Center um, in town, and um, Rayola Williams was the instructor there, the first director there, and she took me under her wing, and I just loved that program. Um, So I applied, and I got in, and um, I took it to the next level. I wanted to share with my community here that there were a lot of stereotypes of Africans, and um, it really frustrated me growing up in the in this country of what that story is of African people and Africa um, as they thought they know it. And so my biggest pursuit in that position was to dispel all of those myths and celebrate the rich heritage that Africa still has. Um, a lot of people have that perception that, Um, leaving uh, the continent, that there was nothing happening after it. And so I I taught a lot of students and a lot of teachers um, and dispelled a lot of those myths. So going into that really pushed me again, having mentors in that district that said, Jeb, you got to go back and get your teaching degree. And so for me, our culture is we love books. We love book business. We love to learn. And um, watching my parents in graduate school, they were lifelong learners. So for me, it wasn't something that was foreign. So I went back to school and um, got my teaching degree. Um, You know, I was married with a new baby Um, And I decided to go back and get my master's and had my second son and got my master's when he turned uh, two and a half and had my classroom. And um, I've been teaching ever since. So that journey has been a long one, but it taught me so much. It taught me how to stand within my own. Um, It gave me confidence. It gave me that hustle because, you know, coming here as an immigrant, uh, you don't get the scholarships, you don't get the financial aid, you had to work. And so, you know, that taught me how to work on campus, work at the local mall, you know, work three jobs and going on a full, you know, 17 credit, you know, semesters and never giving up, you know, because I had my family calling me, you got this Jeb." you know, and, and encouraging me and me having that drive saying, yeah, I've got this. Um, My grandfather used to tell us you educate a man, you educate an individual, but if you educate a woman, you educate a whole community. And so for me, it was that drive of educating as many people as I could and not giving up in myself was really big. So yeah, that's, that's my, that's how I started here. And, you know, and, Starting this business with the cultural consulting with my different name. You know, everyone was asking, How did you get your name? And I was consulting since grade school, you know, on the first day of school. Okay. Jebel oh my, I was named after my great aunt who was the chief of our tribe, the Vi tribe. And then it came up to a whole story of where's Liberia? Well, grab the globe, teach. <laughs> and I would show my teacher, first grade, Harvard, Harvard, where it was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So Deb, I
0: have oh my gosh, I have so many questions. Okay, so just <laughs> to clarify, just to clarify, you lived in Liberia when you
1: were little. Yes, very little, from birth to age two. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and so during that time, it was really traumatic there. Like,
1: yes, yes, we had a coup in 1980, so right before I was born, there was a horrible coup, an uprising, and um, lots of tension, lots of um, if people could even imagine just what you woke up to your government being one way and the next day it's completely gone. All of what you know has completely been diminished. And, um, you know, 41 years later, they're still trying to recover and recoup because after that we left, Um, more tensions arose. And then when I was in the sixth grade in 1991, um, we had a civil war. And then we had a second civil war when I was in high school. Um, and then Ebola happened um, in 2012. So we've had a lot of crises in Liberia. And like I said, 41 years since I've been on this earth and we're still trying to recover. And now COVID is is hitting Liberia really hard, too.
0: I think it sounds like a really tough part of the world to mm-hmm. have been from. and. Yes. To love. There's still people there yes. that you know and love. love and, yep. Way.
1: Know and love. I still have a lot of family back home. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. So the coup happened, it was there was so much instability. Your parents are like, We're we're gonna take the kids and we're gonna leave. And you have brothers and sisters?
1: I'm the oldest of yes, four girls. And, um, so my sisters were born in the United States. So it was just me that came along.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you guys lived in the United States and eventually you found your way to, so we live in Duluth, Minnesota, everybody. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, oh gosh. Okay. Anyway, that's an aside Duluth, Minnesota. We, we Maybe we'll do a podcast episode about Duluth, Minnesota. Cause sure. we love Duluth. Like, we yes. Love. Okay. Um, so you came here and you didn't have a degree yet, or you went to UMD.
1: Yes, I did. I'm graduated like, in 2002. Graduated.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And then after you ended up getting married and starting to have kids, people were like, you got to go, you got to get your education degree. Hello, you're a teacher. Come on. Is that right?
1: That's it. Yes. My principal, Steph, I like, she was like, yeah, you need to go back. And I, it was the best decision I ever made. To go but back, you were encouraged, and yeah.
0: You were encouraged by people who saw a gift in you and said, Hey, you gotta go. Yes, um,
1: definitely.
0: you guys, Jeba's like madly creative, she's so creative. And I think one thing that you'll see for some reason, I am friends with so many teachers. I used to be a teacher, right? I went to school for teaching and education and biology and I anatomy, mean, anyway. That's like a lifetime ago, but still teaching is just kind of part of like who we are and it's part of who you are too. Teachers are so creative. They are coming up with solutions all the time. Teachers have to look at a student, assess the student, figure out the best way to answer a question or, or deliver or serve information to this particular student. So literally in the moment when a teacher is helping a student, a child, they are assessing inside their head okay what's the what are the best words i should use should i act this out should i should i just write it down on a piece of paper like how am i going to get this child to understand this particular concept or or whatever it is and so teachers have so many different Tools in their in their back pocket, in their trunk, in their bag of tricks. I mean, there's a bag of tricks, there's a trunk, there's a bucket over here. There's so many places, you guys. Yeah, that you
1: guys. It is it's instantaneous as well. You know, Mm -hmm. in the moment, there's a lot, and and like you said, how is that child? How do I convey the same concept for all of my students to know? And when you have a, a class size that is, you know, kids. 25 to 35 students at a time, sometimes you have to relay that message in a way that they all can understand it. And to me, that's like a superpower oh, that teachers, teachers have. Yeah. So what
0: I want the people who are listening to know, because I know a bunch of you are teachers. I know there are a bunch of teachers listening who are like, oh, I would really love to start this business, or I'd really like to get this going, or I'd really like to capitalize on my gift of blankety blank whatever that is and i'd love to move forward with that if you're a teacher i just want you to know you already have so many superpowers that you don't even realize are magical superpowers and are mm-hmm. especially helpful when you're trying to run start manage maintain a business so yes. if if you're a teacher listening i've i mean i've got teacher love i get you i i'm with you i Woo. Mm-hmm. here you are teaching. Okay. Teaching, you're living in Duluth, you're teaching what well, grade? Fifth grade.
1: Fifth grade. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. you fifth
0: grade and you're currently teaching fifth grade and you started a business this last year. That's what's pretty magical. And I think people who are listening are like, well, how did, okay. Oh my gosh, this woman here, she's done this. She did this. She had a child. She got her master's degree. And then she taught for a while and now she's starting a business. Like, what is happening here? So tell us a little bit about your teaching, teaching, teaching fifth grade. Your kids are in school, right? Yes.
1: Yep. School age kids. Yes. And
0: then, and then you're like, I'm pretty sure I need to start a business. And let's talk. Tell, tell us a little bit about that part.
1: Oh, definitely. Okay, well, let's bring it back like six years. Okay, um, our boys are playing hockey and I didn't know Anne's from Adam. And I walked up to her and I felt her energy and we were talking. And, and, and you know, she knew I taught one of her sons and, in social studies in my rotation. And we were talking and and I always said to her, and I just said, you know, I would really love to be the African Oprah. I would love to share my culture with the world. I'd love to share um, African culture, African history, African American history and culture with the world that is culturally appropriate. Because as an educator sifting through all these resources, you're sitting here thinking, I can't do that. That's false narratives. That's not okay. And we have been constantly feeding our students for generations false narratives. So for me, even meeting you at that hockey rink all bundled up, you know, I felt that that drive to share that with you and to share with as many people as I could. And fast forward six years later, and it's 2020, and I had this sound in my ear constantly saying, Jeb, just do it. You've got lesson plans that you created for years sitting in tubs, you know, in your basement that you've used in your classroom. Why don't you just make these lessons and put them online and have teachers around the world purchase your products so they can show their students culturally appropriate lessons that also feed into the standards that we have to teach. And I talked to my husband and we were just on a nice walk. And I said, Andy, I feel like I need to do this. And he he looked at me and he goes, it's about time. I've been waiting for this conversation. He's like, I believe in you. I've always believed in you, you know, let's go. And when I knew about your coaching business and I called you up and you even said to me, I will never forget. I've been waiting six years for this phone call. And that really solidified my dream. It really validated what I had inside me to say, yeah, I do. I want to do this. I should pursue this. Um, And with COVID and everything shutting down, um, we didn't have our sons in activities. We weren't running anywhere. We were learning all online. Um, So for me, it was a great time for me to focus on what Jeba Cultural Consulting will look like, sound like, feel like, you know, that teacher Y chart, you know, like, what does it look like, sound like, feel like, and um, what impact do I want to have on this world as my legacy as well um, of what I'm going to do to showcase, but also make my family proud and my sons proud to say, yeah, you know, she created this for all of us. So that to me was my biggest piece
0: that is such a good story because I will tell you guys that as a coach, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm in pretty intuitive. Right. Yes. And so Jebba, literally I can remember which hockey rink we were at and we're bundled up and we're chatting and talking. And she said, Oh yeah, I am. I am. I'm going to, I'm going to be calling you someday. And, and then she kind of talked a little bit about her, like what her thought was. And then she said, yeah, the whole thing, I'm writing a book. I'm going to have a podcast. Like, it's, it's on, it's going, it is going to happen. And the reason I tell you guys that, that little amazing and beautiful snippet from a freezing cold hockey rink that one day is because she knew in her heart it was happening. Like there were, there was no doubt that in the future it would happen when it was right for her. So if you feel that way, if you have that little, oh, there's just like a little seed inside you. That's kind of, it's almost like vibrating. It's like, I'm coming. It's happening. I'm going to grow. I am going to grow. The seed is here. It's going to happen. It might not be the perfect time. It might not be the right time right now. It might be two years in the future. Whatever it is, if you have that inside you, just listen to it. Mm -hmm. Don't squash it. Don't (laughs) squash it. Don't say, no, it's not possible. It's possible. All of it is possible. It might not be the right time, but it is Possible because then she called. Then I I remember seeing Jeb because she taught one of my children, and so I mean she was fully a teacher, and so then one day I saw her and I thought, I wonder when she's going to call. And then a couple years later she called, and so um even I felt like, oh yeah, it's happening. Just let me know when you're ready. Let's go. And literally she called. We had meeting after meeting, and it was like it was born. It was oh, yeah. amazing.
1: It was, it was. And, and even our meetings and talking and just being, I feel like with you as a coach, I know you must enjoy this, but literally seeing somebody's dreams come to fruition from the skeletal piece, like from the back ground and just seeing how you mold it and shape it and asking probing questions enough that you think to yourself as the entrepreneur, yeah, I I never thought of it that way. Or is there a way that you can diversify yourself? Are there other streams of revenue that you can dissect from here that somebody who doesn't have that business acumen, you know, at first is like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Let me go back and try it out and test it out. So I, 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 it really gave me the push that I needed because there is that self-doubt, that seed that's vibrating in you. And you just go, mm, let's just wait a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's go. You know, and, and, and I feel too, as women, as female entrepreneurs, we have that voice in our head going, okay, but are you going to be fully present for your kid? Are you going to do that? And I honestly feel more present in my children's lives um, because I can turn it off and move and set my boundaries in place. So I'm just looking forward to the next chapter. Jeb, of, it's so you know, good. It's so yeah. good.
0: Guys, I want you to know that. So Jeb and I met during COVID, like when, mm-hmm. when the coffee shop was open yes. and COVID was happening still, mm-hmm. she was determined. And I was like, I was, I was just, I'll meet however. So we wore masks. Yes. We had three, we set up three tables. We in were between outside. Us, yeah. we had three mm-hmm. tables in between us. We were outside at Dun Brothers Coffee Shop on London Road, if you guys know where that is. We were out on the deck, and she would be way at the end of the table, and I would be at another table, and we'd be kind of yelling through our masks. It was, <laughs> I, I think back, and I'm like, listen, people make it happen. If you want something to happen, you will make it happen. And yeah. dear Lord, we just made it happen. I mean, oh, yes, oh we were what a precious time
1: it was
0: So what happened was uh, she said Jeb said, well, i wanna I'm ready I'm, I'm ready, and let's go. Here's what it is, and then let's talk through this. So we spent originally like six sessions mm-hmm. where I would ask Jeb questions ahead of time, then she would come to the sessions with her questions answered, then we would talk, dissect, reflect. Uh, I would do some direct communication. Um, I never, ever told Jebba what to do. That's no, not no. coaching no, 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 no. It's a little bit more like, uh, let's check on this. Let's see how this, Jeb, what would, what would you like to be a result of our conversation? So every time we have a conversation, I say, oh, Jeb, what would be a great result of our conversation? And usually, what would you say? What do you remember from that question?
1: Oh, man, my biggest... Uh what i would love to to as a result is an action plan, like what are the action steps for this particular part of my business, and Ange would give me some strategies of, okay, this is how you could go about this way. This is a contact you could call to see. Um, you know, I came in not knowing that. Oh yeah, you need a lawyer. You need to hire an accountant. You need all of these, um, you know, experts in their zone of genius, so you could focus on your own creativity. And I, and and when you would say that, it would give me the tools to say, okay, these are the people I need to contact. These are the avenues I need to go. And it gave me um, a launching pad for the next session of what I needed to do for my business. So when we would meet again for our next session, I would have those answers again. You know, I'd have those answers for the next step. And I thought that was really powerful because I was still in control. This was my name. This was my business. But with your expertise, and it made me feel like you would put some guidance in there, but it was all up to me if I was going to do it or not. Or, oh, maybe I'll just sit back on this part of it and wait a little bit. I'm not too comfortable. And 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 even if I did share that, you would say, yeah, that's fine. You are the steer of this ship. You can say how you're going to pace yourself or not. Um, and you know, knowing me, I'm a go-getter. So I'm like, Oh girl, I have 25 things I got on that list. The next time you're like, what, what, you know, you made how many lesson plans we were two weeks ago. I'm like, Oh yeah. And you're like, Oh Jeb, let's go. What's next. You know, I mean, every time I would meet you, I'd be like, yep, I did that. And I did that too. And Oh yeah, I even got batching of my YouTube episodes that you just, you looked at me like, we we met two weeks ago. What? what? <laughs> How did you get that all done? <laughs> oh,
0: it was it was amazing. This girl was on fire, and that goes to the passion and excitement and that initial energy when you are starting a business. You're absolutely on fire, and when you capture it, it's creative energy. When you capture it and harness it for good, right? You use your powers for good. Yes. you can create anything. It's so amazing. It was very fun. It was very, yeah. now I'll say that Jebba over our time together, we've had 12 total sessions, right? Yep. Started mm-hmm. with six yep. and then you're like, we need more. We got to keep going. Mm-hmm. Let's go. So yes. we did six more. And then at that point, Jabba was like off and running. I mean, yes. really just going. So, so Jeb, I do want to ask when you were building your your business, when you know, kind of with like just with a little slightest uh lifting from me, I'll say just yes, a tiny bit yes. of lifting from me. What did your days look like? Because half the time you were teaching during the day, oh, yeah,
1: teaching full time.
0: Give us a, an idea of what your schedule was like because the people yes. who are listening are like, How did she do this? She was teaching, and also, so l- talk about that, yes, life.
1: definitely. All right, so what I would do, you know, in the mornings. Of course, I would be up and at them and start my day at 6.15, you know, eat breakfast and get ready, um, prep for my day. I was teaching all online last year um, due to COVID. And so I would prep myself ready. I even would... Um, With this online learning, a lot of our students, you know, would be there and participating live, but there would be some students because of bandwidth or maybe having one device for their whole family, they wouldn't be able to make the live sessions. So I would pre-record every morning my lessons And have it queued up, you know, in time. So after I would do my live lessons with my students every day in the morning um, and the afternoon, I would have their reading groups and all of that. I would still on the back end have those same lessons that i prepped for that day kind of like teaching twice every day mm-hmm. um so those kids that missed it or anything happened if their technology didn't go through they would still have access to the lesson and then i would teach and you know give feedback, correct work. And then also my, my children were at home learning. So then in between those times, I would, you know, run and help them and make sure everything was working for them as well. Um, and then, you know, being a mom at home and feeding my kids dinner, and I would set up a time between seven to nine. Jebby time. And that was the time every evening, y'all, we would know. And my boys and my husband respected that that's mommy's time to work on her business. Seven to nine. So every night, Monday through Friday, seven to nine was my time. My time to research my concepts with uh multicultural education, my time to write my scripts for my YouTube channel and my podcast, um, my time to um focus on writing my lesson plans that I would um you know put out into my shop, even writing my content from my blog that all came into those chunks. It didn't come in every day at all of those things. I would space it out and say, okay, this week is all about the podcast or this week is all about my YouTube channel. And then weekends were really, really valuable as well because our kids weren't in hockey. They weren't in any sports because of COVID. So that freed up a lot of time that I could just record. And it was the sweet spot in this business, Ange. I feel like it really aligned because they were 10 and 13. So, you know, they could make, they could fend for themselves in the sense of they can make their own cereal in the morning. You know, they can make a sandwich. Um, Mommy is still in the house. So it's not like they're, you know, you know out on their own i was still here i was just upstairs in the guest bedroom recording my youtube and even them getting involved and you know hitting the record button on my phone and you know counting me down so getting them involved was really wow. fun wow. um but that 7 to 9 block i really wanted to stay on top of that and hold myself accountable because i even if i missed a night i would it would be eating me away inside because it's like you know man i have all this stuff i want to do but now i'm i'm f- feeling like i'm going backwards which i'm not because i had to tell myself and you had to remind me too like Jeb, nobody knows your schedule but you. You're not. <laughs> nobody knows how many lesson plans you're going to put out on your shop. Nobody knows. You have at least one. That's good. You know, so I had to kind of, um, you know, give myself permission to say, yeah, nobody knows what's going on except you. You can control how much you want to put into it and how less. And giving myself that boundary really did save me a lot of headache and time. And it also set up my family, too, of... Our expectations, like yeah, we have mom all the time. Uh, My my school, I was working, you know, even later after my contract time to make sure that everything was correct and ready for the next day, because that's what teachers do. We're always, you know, your contract. You see us. We're still in the parking lot at four thirty. You know, five o'clock. That's what we do. We, We love what we're doing for our kids. So that was never sacrificed. But I still made sure I carved out some time to devote to my business without harming every other facet of my, my life with my kids, my husband, you know, and my my full-time job.
0: And Jeb, wouldn't you say like, okay, so you had concentrated focused time, right? Yes. You and I met over like, I would say, I don't know, maybe an eight month period. Yeah. That's what could. you
1: say. Yeah. Almost yeah. a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Almost a year. Just like sporadic, not sporadically, but it was very specific when we met, but we met over that time. You were building your business during that time. And now your business is built. I mean, it's yes. built. And yes. now you don't have to build it anymore. You're nice. refining it. You're probably yes. in the refinement stage, like constantly like, okay, now does this work? How did this work? What worked? What didn't work? What do we want to fix? What what would I do next time, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like you have to take that seven to nine time every single night. Oh no. Do for a concentrated period of time. And then your business is you know, pretty much built and then you can refine it. Yes. And so will you tell the one thing we have not yet covered is what is your business? What do you do? What are you doing? Sorry. So <laughs> so sorry, you guys on the, on the call are probably like, "Ange, hello, what is her business? Okay, Jeff, tell us what yes. you do.
1: I am the founder and CEO of Jebet Cultural Consulting, and my consulting business is providing multicultural resources for the public. Um, you know, I am providing resources for educators. One branch of my business is my lesson plan shop. I have lesson plans for kindergarten through eighth grade right now, I'm working on high school um, that are focused on African-American and African history and culture. Um, and I pair them up with my favorite diverse classroom books that teachers can purchase themselves and then um, use my companion lesson to go with it. Um, The second branch of my business is providing diversity, equity and inclusion trainings for entrepreneurs and for organizations and even for school organizations as well. Um, because the big push right now is trying to have our own um, reconciliation um, with our relationships in this country. So me helping to facilitate where to start is another branch of my business. Um, the other branch that I I have in my business is, of course, communicating um, those lesson plans and um, um, and just talking about curriculum, multicultural curriculum. So I have a podcast called the Cultural Curriculum Chat with Jeba Edmonds, and we dive deep into um, books that you don't have to be a teacher or a business person; you can just be a parent and listen to my insights on the best books to start those conversations with your children. And um, even for people listening while they're driving, just to hear you know different perspectives um, that they probably never thought of before. So I have a lot of podcasts episodes and YouTube episodes that cover those um, multicultural educational resources. So basically, I want it to be a vehicle that people can just get research-based best practices right on my website that they can use right away. Um, You know, as teachers, we don't have time to be researching and looking for things. So with somebody doing that background work for them just makes it so much easier to have a better impact with your students.
0: It is so needed. Like right now, Jeb, in the industry, do you feel like you have, like there's so much competition for what you're doing? Because I don't know. I mean, I'm curious, like, who is doing what you're doing? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's like you're one in Um, you're just you're one. You're the one you're the one who's doing this. Like, who else is doing this in the in the United States? Nobody. Uh,
1: there are. And, you know, there are there's um, there's some mentors of mine that are African-American women that are doing this, um, uh, this drive in promoting um Cultural competency and diversity inclusion, that's more of their space. Um, I kind of take that in a twist of um, providing more educational resources because of my teacher, my teacher wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can still use that educational resource and translate it to business owners and mm-hmm. um, entrepreneurs. So that's kind of um what makes me stand out in this industry. Um, But there are, there are a lot of successful um, female and male entrepreneurs that are um, in this space. Um, Of course, I can't think of them at the top of my head, um, but um, one of them was Vernet, Oh, I think it's Renee Sayers. I'll have to look her up and get back to you. But she's been doing this for over twenty years, and she's got a really great TED talk on um, implicit bias. That's a really big one, um, and that's something that you know a lot of businesses are wondering: what is implicit bias, and what that what does that look like? Um, am I doing that? And um, so we do have discussions, um, and. And what I've been noticing too, Ange, it depends on where you are. Um, Regionally, I haven't been in contact with um, people in this space. Um, There are... You know, consulting firms all over, but a lot of those consulting firms are more HR based, like workplace culture, mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily multicultural. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm one of the pioneers of all the multicultural different. consulting space, but um, what I've noticed with the consulting um, business has been primarily, um, you know, human resource, um, you know, focus and more workplace culture, company culture. But my mother had a really good insight. She goes, but Jebe, you are working for the human resource. You are starting with the young people and you're also training them of what is appropriate, what is um, you know, historically correct. And then you're also training their future employers. Mm-hmm. Of what is appropriate and what is OK to say and not say at work and and giving them strategies of how to make people that look like me feel comfortable within themselves while we're working, you know, and, and providing those safe spaces for them and teaching them how to provide those safe spaces and then checking and correcting them if it's not. A safe space. And and they need people like me to walk them through it, you know, and guide them through that process. So, you know, it was an aha moment when my mom said that. I said, yeah, it's not just a one um, phase, um, you know, a department. It's all because I'm starting with them young and also working, cultivating you know, the workforce out there as well. So, yeah, I got a lot of work to do.
0: (laughs) And Jeb, what what, the one thing I was thinking that was just so unique about you is that you have this education-based focus. So yes, you're working with companies. Yes, you're going in and helping to teach the people who are there and the leaders about implicit bias and and the workplace and all of that kind of stuff. But the fact that you have got lesson plans that are completely lined up with the standards right Mm that teachers are required to teach to specific standards so all of them are lined up to the standards and are also Uh correct historically accurate you use stories which everyone can relate to a story yes it feels good people feel powerful. They don't feel powerless, right? They feel powerful when they can connect to a story. And then you unpack the story and you talk about it and you have lesson plans that go with it. I'm, I'm thinking who, who is, who else is doing this in the world? Like I just, I I don't, I mean, perhaps someone is, but I mean, of course I'm a fan of Java, but Anyway, I think it's such a unique space for you to be in. And the fact that you were called to it. I'm curious, how long ago were you called?
1: I feel like I was called to it. You know, there's certain points in your life Mm -hmm. where that call is there and they say it. Um, You know, I'm a storyteller. You know, that's just, it's always been inherent in me. And I've always been an observer growing up. And when my grandparents would come visit me from Liberia in between, you know, times of hardship, and I remember my grandfather and um, watching uh, my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, we watched Nelson Mandela's release from prison Mm -hmm. and seeing him moved by that, not knowing that was happening, you know, going to happen in his lifetime because he remembered what happened when he, you know, the, the fight for justice in South Africa and he said something that I will never forget he said make sure you tell our stories make sure you share with share our stories and that was one and and just watching my grandparents come and teach us and live with us and cousins and just being immersed in my culture and always being proud of who I was. I was that girl in my elementary school wearing my hair tie, my fabric cloth on my head and my dress that my mother sewed for me. And I am strutting in because I'm showing them who exactly I am. I am a Vi girl living in Minnesota, but I am proud of who I am. And so I felt like with the, the the stories my grandparents and my mother and father and my aunts and uncles taught me growing up, and learning of what that life was like for them growing up in Liberia, and and having that in myself and sharing those those experiences with people who would listen, it was the, you know, the call to me to say, I need to share those stories. I need to dispel these myths because it's frustrating when you are showing who you are and people think, really? You have hospitals in Africa? You've got this? And, and I would have my students recite this. Africa is in the other side of the world, not a different planet. We're right here. We're right on Earth. You know, people live here. Yes, we exist. We have electricity, you know, and those are the things that kids would have this aha moment. And and even adults would look at me and go, wow, I didn't know that, you know, and it's like, wow, I've got a lot of work to do to Mm -hmm. dispel those myths. And I felt like that's what I was called to do, to um, dispel those myths, to break down those single stories that are very dangerous, you know, because. We are a continent and a diaspora of people that are proud of who we are. And when we do show that pride, you know, we want to be received with respect. And I feel that's a big piece of what is missing. And that's a piece that I feel that I can help, you know, um, bring that into the light and share with as many people that I can.
0: Mm. And you are just a perfect person to do it from, you know, thank kindergarten you so on up. I mean, just oh, imagine, I, I imagine having somebody like you around me when I was super, super young. Of course, my thoughts would be different. My, my knowledge would be different. Mm-hmm. And it would have started a long time ago. So one thing that is so powerful is that you are in the schools, that you have passion and brilliance around teaching young people. I mean yeah. it's just you. it's powerful. And you guys, she is an amazing, amazing teacher. Actually, my son Henrik is who had Miss Jabba and we called her Miss Jabba. Mm-hmm. And um and it's, it's really Mrs. Edmonds. Mm-hmm. Um so Henrik literally within the last month he said, Yeah, mom, when I had Mrs. Edmonds, she was my best teacher. She's my favorite teacher from Congdon.
1: Oh, and
0: my- And so that was is that fifth grade? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I had him in fifth. Yeah. Yeah,
0: fifth grade. So um, and he's now going into eighth grade, but I just thought, well, that's just lovely. I'm I might mention that during the um chitter chat I'm gonna have with her in a month. So anyway, anyway, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. You have two different target markets that you are wanting to, you know, be known by. And so can you describe those two different markets?
1: Two of my ideal clients would be educators first and entrepreneurs, business people. Um, In my entrepreneurial space, that ideal client is motivated. They're willing to learn. They're willing to have discussions. They're willing to... Uh, think outside the box. Um, those ones are the motivators that really want to make positive change. Um, and that's when I'm gearing my marketing towards um, my social marketing, organic marketing, is um, focused on a lot of the entrepreneurs. Um, you know, some people feel like as small business owners, they can't provide much of an impact. And and those are the ones that I also pull in and say, yes, you can. You know, even being a solopreneur, you can make a positive impact. And so I give them a lot of good marketing marketing strategies, really good um, self-evaluations of their own organizations of how they can make this movement in um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that's one big target market, the business side. The other side, as educators and being in as a teacher, um, you know, I have that feeling of, okay, how long should, um, you know, the lesson plan look like, you know, is it a unit plan? Is it multiple days that I'm covering? So, you know, I'm trying to get um, teachers that you know really don't have much time to dive in and do quality research, and that's what I'm saying they don't have time teachers are resourceful um, you know we do have time to look and find things, but it's the weeding out the narratives that is the hard piece that's the hard pain point that we don't have the time to do and so as educators, that target market. I push when I do my organic marketing that I've done that research for you. I've, I've weeded out the inappropriate things for your classroom. So it's right here in a package that you can order and download it right away into your, um, into your, into your file. And so they have it. They have the, the, the graphic organizer or worksheet that they could literally, you know, photocopy right there. And so, That's why I wanted that for the young people, younger generations to learn and also to give guidance to those um, business owners and saying, this is what to expect. And then giving my own experiences on both sides, because I've worked in the workforce, you know, I've also worked in the educational space and giving them my perspectives as a. Black woman in both worlds and talking about my stories of what I experienced to open their eyes up even more, I think also gives me a great advantage as well, because I've seen both sides. And that's why I'm pulling to those two areas the most, because I feel like it's very vital in this time.
0: So, Jeff, let's say that I'm a third grade teacher.
1: Okay. Yes.
0: So I'm a third grade teacher. I'm listening. I also, I also have a side hustle, and that's it's helpful to hear about how you're kind of r- rolling with this side hustle. But what if I want to get like, what do you have available? Hey, I'm a third grade teacher. Tell me a little bit more, Jeff. What do you? What have you got? What do you got for me?
1: Man, I've got folk tales for you from Anansi. I've got. Um, one of my favorite uh, books is called Ellen's Broom, and it's about uh, a freed slave girl whose parents, it was illegal for African-Americans to get married, and the symbolism of jumping the broom. Um, a lot of people have questions of why do people jump the broom at you know weddings um, from African-American perspectives, and that book is so important to share with students because it is a tradition. Uh, my husband and I jumped the broom, mm-hmm. and um, it was a tradition of, um, you know, jumping into a new life together um, as life partners, but also because the fact that African-Americans could not get married in this country for centuries Mm -hmm. that jumping the broom was their only symbol of leaping in together as a couple. And um, so that is something that third grade teachers can have and read a great children's book about the history of jumping the broom. And then having a graphic that students can use what they learned from the story and put it on paper to share with their families at home. Um, I've got great books about um, multicultural holidays from all over the world that I have created a PowerPoint that they can put up and (laughs) showcase different holidays throughout the year. Um, And even I even made a little workbook that kids can write and fill in new things that they learned about a particular holiday a day. Um, And um, it is, I I found really great books that um, really mesh well with what I want students to learn and have a great background of why they need to learn about it. So yeah, yeah, I got a lot of things. <laughs> oh,
0: that's so good. So if a person wanted to find out more about that, or they wanted to take a look and see what was available and what um, applied to them if they're a teacher, mm-hmm. where would they go for that?
1: Yes, it would be on Jebe, J-E-B-E-H, Edmunds, dot com forward slash shop. And there's little apples on there (laughs) for their grade level. And then it opens to their shop. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay.
0: So that is fantastic. That's hopefully that's helpful for some of you. If you are a teacher and you're getting ready for this next year and you want some um, multicultural educational resources. Yes. Jeff, I have like a list of 35 questions and (laughs) seriously, we haven't even hit them. So I'm partially thinking... I'm probably going to have to have Jeb part too, but I've got a couple more questions. Yeah, let's do for this. Us, for yeah. us today. Okay? okay, okay. So how do your clients usually hear about you, whether they're teachers or whether they're business owners who are working on yes. um, diverse diversity, equity, and inclusion?
1: Yes, uh, I have... Uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook business page and um, LinkedIn and Instagram. So I do a lot of organic marketing um, every month, every day, there's a new post. Um, and I've also um, seen my YouTube and podcasts that people are listening to, but I'm advertising my podcasts and my YouTube channel on my organic marketing. So that's been really, really big. Um regionally, um, is word of mouth, um, but I've gotten a lot of, um, people contacting me after they've seen me doing, you know, professional speaking engagements. I was just in um, Fargo last week, um, conducting a presentation for uh, Lady Boss Midwest, um, as a female entrepreneurial networking um, business. And I spoke at their event, and I'm getting a lot of private messages through LinkedIn to do some future work with um, future clients. So that's been really helpful. Um, I spoke at um, our local role Rotary clubs and doing um, even more engagement um, through St. Scholastica. I spoke and did a presentation at their teacher conferences last June. So that's been getting a lot of buzz and testimonials are really big. That's been helping me getting more clients as well from previous clients and trainings that I've done before. So it's been great.
0: The one thing we haven't even talked about is Jebo speaks. Like she is an amazing speaker and presenter. And so. Thank you people will ask her to come and speak to their group. And I'm sure speaking engagements, they probably haven't taken off like wildfire yet because
1: of
0: just the uncertainty with COVID. But um, talk a little bit about what the audience, what you feel like the audience is experiencing when you're speaking, when you're telling them. I mean, you've got an amazing story and you have got really important information that we need to have.
1: Yes, Oh. I feed off the energy of the audience, and even if I'm speaking in a Zoom training, you know, I still get you know that same um, energy, you know, through the screen. Um, a lot of people, it takes time to process when I'm sharing, you know, and being vulnerable about myself. You know, it takes a lot to process, but I feel that they are moved. I feel that they are inspired. Um, the questions that they ask me, you know. Helps me dive deeper and help them further understand my perspective of where I'm coming from. Um, I think it's really important to have that human connection. And when we, you know, we're going through this uncertainty still with COVID, I feel um, people still crave that human interaction, that human connection. And when I do speak and share my stories with people, it Opens up that humanity that we all crave and we all deserve that yes, wow, you know i I'm just blown away how much you've shared and even walked, you know my story has lots of twists and turns and a lot of resilience and and I feel and a lot of determination to make a name for myself, and I feel like my audience gets that once I once I share my story with them. Yeah. Mm.
0: And you guys just to kind of let, you know, like just a sneak peek on my relationship with Jebba. We have had some amazing conversations, of course, during our coaching and some of the stories that she's told me, some of the things that have happened to Jebba. Um, just even here in Duluth, Minnesota, I've been shocked, like shocked to the point of oh, what, like, I can't believe it. And so Hearing her, listening to her, being part of her world, she makes it very comfortable. Even though it's a little bit uncomfortable, it's for so many reasons. There's so many layers of discomfort. Um, she makes it very comfortable to to start the first step, whatever the first step is for you. She makes it very comfortable to do that. So, um, I guess I'm grateful for that. And I think her personality, her story, her passion, and her compassion. Um, help to make it easy to move forward with whatever journey you're on in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think Mm -hmm. that's really important because it's uncomfortable for people. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, having a, um, I don't know if I want to say maybe like a guide that makes it a little bit more comfortable or at least has some information that maybe it makes you uncomfortable
1: I mean oh yeah and I tell people get comfortable with being uncomfortable because yeah. we've been uncomfortable for centuries, yes. so it's yes. like welcome yes. to the party. Yes. <laughs> welcome
0: to the party. Now we're all going to yeah. be uncomfortable.
1: Now we're all going to be uncomfortable. We all have mm-hmm. to really have some self-reflection. Yeah, move to in order to move forward. Mm-hmm.
0: You are doing such good work. And um, Deb and I just talked before this. We are going to have a, a deeper conversation where perhaps many people will be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, in the future, we're going to have like a deep dive into diversity, equity, inclusion, and everything that means for entrepreneurs who are running businesses, who are running teams, who are, who are just in a community and serving clients. Mm -hmm. So I, I do really look forward to that. You guys let's switch gears just a little bit. I want to talk about systems because in my interviews with people and you guys know I'm obsessed with systems because systems that are good, help a business run efficiently, efficient businesses save money If you save money and you're saving time, it feels much better. I'm wondering, Jebba, you have some systems in your business. You have ways like in your calendar, you have a plan, you have things that you do that you just routinely are doing. Can you tell us a little bit about the systems that you set up or the routines that you are um, currently running in your business that make it easier to run your business?
1: Oh, yes. Um, when I'm doing my podcasts and um, my YouTube channel, what I really love doing is batching, you know, doing multiple recordings back to back. I usually set aside a Saturday to do, um, you know, no more than three you know, at a time. Um, I feel like when I was doing four or five, it was just getting too overwhelming. So I batch record on Saturdays my podcast and YouTube um, uh, videos. Um, and then in the beginning of the week, that's when I edit. So I'm not going to do my recordings and then edit the same day. You know, you're just fried. You're just so tired. Mm -hmm. So I save another day in the beginning of the week to edit my work. And then when I edit that, I'm pulling stuff from my recordings and my podcast. And then I'm writing my blog off of that same particular episode. So that way I'm using that one piece of content And then I'm splicing it to everything else. So I'm doing that editing, I'm writing my blog, then I'm taking snippets from my blog and I'm using that as my Instagram posts. And I'm creating on another day, my graphics that I'm gonna post on social media, but then I will filter it for the following month. So it's not something that is, oh my goodness, I have to get this out because I haven't posted in another day. So I have that system of recording, editing, writing. And then I also have another system of scheduling my social media. I do that one day. I pick one day. I do it on the the 27th of every month. Mm -hmm. And it takes me two hours. And I take my little paper calendar and I type up and I post and I, I have, I love Planoly with that because I can literally put it in each day that I want. And with Planoly, I can use it on multiple platforms. So it's not like I have to, you know, do it on a different day, but I have it already done those two hours I'm writing. And then the next day, those two hours, I'm plugging it into my Planoly and that's for the following month. And so that whole month is taken care of. And so that system, I feel really confident in doing my recording, my splicing, my writing. That gives me time to email you know, a client. It gives me time to set up uh, my training. So when I'm preparing my trainings, because not all trainings are the same, different companies have different wants and needs, um, I can prepare and do all of that ready to go, knowing I've got my podcast already queued for the next three weeks. I've got my YouTube already queued for the next three weeks. And then I I can run with that. So for me, systems are really a well-oiled machine right now that I can tweak and do things. But I'm not as stressed because I've got things, you know, six weeks in advance Mm -hmm. because I've done it already. I've done the back end work, you know, and stuff and, and still feel like, oh yeah, it's already cute. I have my phone, you know, kind of notify me that my post went up, but it always goes up. And if it doesn't, I have time to go and fix it that nobody else knows. So it is, it's really, I love systems. (laughs) Yes. It so keeps good. me sane. Yeah. It keeps me sane.
0: You guys, she's got a great example of batching and systems. Yes. I mean, I Jeff, and, and I heard her say, here's how it makes me feel. I feel calm. I feel peaceful. I'm not, I'm not stressed about this. This is happening. I've got it like backed up for six weeks and we're good to go. I mean, you're, you've worked ahead and you've gotten yourself to that space.
1: Yes. Yes. I, you know, in the beginning it was rocky to even figure out what system worked, you know, and, and and now that I can look back and do my tweaks, and now it's like, yeah, it's it's second nature. It's second nature now. Mm-hmm.
0: Jeb, I feel like I could probably talk to you for like two more hours. I have so yeah. many questions.
1: And I know, and I'm sorry. I you know I just oh my god, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's we can make a second session. I love it. We can- yeah,
0: we might have to have Jeb part two. You guys, we had Missy yeah. part two. We, we we might be diving in with Jeb part two, but. Before we end today, before we wrap it up today, if you could give one piece of advice or maybe inspiration to a bunch of creative people that are listening, and, and some of them have businesses that they've had for a while, and some of them are like, oh gosh, I just want to have a business so badly. Like there's two, there's two kind of groups of people here. What would you say to them?
1: One is believe in yourself that you can do it. And the second is value your worth. I feel a lot of us entrepreneurs, creatives that are hesitant, we feel like we're not going to be good enough, or I'm putting myself out there and they might not like it. The masses might not like it. Value your own worth, because we do have something to contribute and to share. And knowing that value that you already have inside you, somebody... On the other end, you just could have saved their life. You could have made them feel like, wow, if they can do it, I can do it too. So yeah, value, your worth is is so important. And just believing in yourself. Um, Yeah, because you know that self-doubt does creep in. But you have to just say, oh, sit down over there. I got this.
0: Even people who have businesses that have been around for a long time that you would look at and say, oh, they are so successful. They have got it figured out even they have self doubt it is yeah. it is um there's a little tape that plays inside your head and it's old it's just old stuff and if you've never removed those blocks just that's like a whole coaching process but if you've mm-hmm. never removed some of those blocks and thoughts that um y- you know you're not good enough you'll never be anything i mean there's so many blocks that lead to that self doubt um no matter who you are no matter how much money you have or how much money you're making or how awesome your family is or how remarkable your business is, they still have self-doubt too. You'd be surprised at the people who have self-doubt. So it's just common. I mean, let's normalize. Self-doubt is yeah. just it's pretty normal. And you want to keep your head space in a place where we're thinking positive. So, you know, I'm such a big fan of mindset, Jebba, and I have a lot of different mindset working in these, um, in a lot of these episodes that I've created for this podcast. So, um, Last question, Jeff. what is the mindset that helps you move forward? Like, what are you thinking? Where's your head at when you're like, this is, this is, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. If you ever start to doubt, what do you do? What do you think?
1: What do I do? Wow. Okay. I love music. I love to dance. So I always play like my favorite Chaka <laughs> Khan. I'm every woman. So mm-hmm. when I'm feeling stuck. I just hit I'm Every Woman I dance it out in my office and then it's like yes let's go let's do this you know that's one of my biggest mindsets if I'm feeling stuck I blast on that um another good one is a gospel song go get it by Mary Mary go get your blessing like come on this is, your time is now go get it go get your blessing um and that's one of my biggest ones that really makes me recalibrate and go for it. Go get my blessings, and then I sit back and and I'm gracious for the steps I took. I'm gracious for the the reception I've been getting from clients, from community members, um, from other educators that are you know that are giving me that feedback, and that's what keeps me going. So that mindset, yeah, is just go get it. <laughs> yeah, get your blessing, people. Yes, go get it.
0: <laughs> I love that. What a great. That's a good spot for us to stop. That's a nice little wrap up there, Jebba. Go get your blessings. Go, Go get, get your blessings. Bread.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, you guys, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much, Miss Jebba. This is not, this is not the last you've heard of Jebba Edmonds. It is not. You she's coming on again. There's no question. I'm not sure which one, but she's coming on again. Um, okay, Jeff, thank you so much for coming. You're welcome, my dear. Um, <laughs> Thanks everyone for tuning into episode 15. What I hope you got out of this episode was this. Number one, anything is possible when you put your mind to it, anything. Number two, getting help with your passion project makes it move faster. Number three, batching and good systems save time, money, and brain power. Number four, you can build a business anytime, even during a pandemic. Number five, listen to the voice in your head, lean into it, consider what it would take to move towards it. And honestly, there are so many more takeaways from this episode but those are the five that just come to my heart right away. You know Jeva will come on again and she and I are going to be diving into what she actually teaches people in her consulting business. She and I are going to put together a podcast for entrepreneurs and business owners and we're going to be talking directly to you guys about how you can make changes in your business, your behavior and your thinking. So you can be part of the solution when it comes to diversity and inclusion. I asked Jebba, what does she want everyone to leave with? What does she want everyone to know after coming in contact with her? And she said this, we need to learn how to look within ourselves and understand that we're all here for the human experience, but we also need to learn how to be more respectful of all the cultures that we humans possess. Beautiful. You guys, if you're listening, if you're still here, I wonder, are you one of those people who kind of is ready to do what Jeba did and start your side hustle while you have a really maybe big full-time job? Are you trying to figure out how you'd manage it with your already very full life? Maybe you think coaching could help. If that's you, just visit me at angstocky.com and click on the Work With Ange" button. It'll take you straight to my online scheduler where you can schedule a time for a discovery call with me free of charge. Whether that's you or not, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for listening. As always, consider rating and reviewing the podcast for a chance for your business to be mentioned on the show. I'll see you next time for episode 16, which is five simple ways your brand words can attract your ideal client. It's a bunch of like meaty business branding stuff. And um, there'll be some really good actionable takeaways. The business owners in the group will love it. Enjoy your work this week. Goodbye.